0: With reports direct from Melbourne Courtside and from our offices in New York City, it's the Australian Open Edition of the Tennis.com Podcast. And here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hey everyone, Tennis.com Podcast. I'm Ed McGrogan here with Pete Bodo. You can feel it, the draw. It's 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 like Christmas for some of you, even for me. It, it is a it is a pretty big event for all four Grand Slams. Oh, I'm getting a feeling, I'm getting a feeling isn't there Mahout? Oh my god. First round. Uh, Is... I got a feeling, I got a feeling. Yeah, well that's I mean uh the, the last time they played before Wimbledon rematch last year was actually in Australia too. They played at Hopman Cup last year. So that's, you know, that's saying something. So the draw will always reveal, uh, you know, some interesting early round matches. I think we make a big deal out of those early rounders, but uh, it's all in, in good fun. So that comes out tomorrow. But today on the site, um, Pete started a, a column that uh, is going to be continuing throughout the week. Um, Talking about hot or not the players going into the into the tournament, specifically the the big names. Uh, we're starting with the ATP top ten and moving on to other contenders. The women top ten contenders, of course, um, and the the player who Pete est- estimates is is the hottest player right now is actually a player who hasn't even played this year, and that's Novak Djokovic. and And we talked about it a little on the podcast um, two days ago about. Djokovic's move to not play as opposed to Nadal, Federer, Murray entering in tournaments may turn out to be a really nice decision of, you know, going into Melbourne. So what do you what do you think about why is Djokovic such a a contender for you besides, you know, besides the obvious reasons, I
1: guess. Well, because I think he's he's, shot, he's fired a shot across the bow of his rivals. Anybody who was thinking that Djokovic's got too beat up last year, that he's going to be emotionally exhausted, that he's going to feel too much pressure and stuff, has to think twice after what he did in Abu Dhabi. That, granted, it was an exhibition, but then, you know, half these 250s are like exhibitions because they're really just being played because there's so much appearance money at stake and it's a chance to tune up your game. So, you know... Uh, he played so well at Abu Dhabi, which I put in the same category as some of these other tournaments, these two fifties that have been going on. He beat, you know, he beats Federer and Ferrer back to back, just crushes both of them, um, you know, to, two and one to win that Exo. So, yeah. you know, um, he just and then he then he retreats into his castle, as it were. He goes into seclusion to get ready for his defense in Australia. I thought that was a very very smart move, as I've written in the past. A couple of weeks ago, I guess you know Pete Sampras after he won after that last year when he chased the number one ranking for the sixth consecutive year, took a lot out of him at the end of the year. He was fried. He didn't. Even, he he pulled out of Australia the following year. He said I can't I can't go back there. A couple weeks later and start playing again. This I think Djokovic is a different situation. He may actually benefit from some of the problems he had. In Ironic way.
0: That's what I was actually going to mention. Is that uh, that if anything could could serve as almost a little bit of a wake up to him. That um, you know, besides getting that rest, which he obviously needed, it, it, it I think it could send a signal that Djokovic is obviously at this opportunity of his career where he is seemingly at the peak of his powers and he's coming into a, another year, another slam where he can really, um, if he plays his cards right, kind of kind of make his way up in the really the history of the game he's just kind of building his lore one uh, one term after another and and now he's going to get a chance where everybody's reset but uh, but he's still the man on top of course
1: yeah let's not forget the surface is very friendly to his game uh, it's also friendly to his body. The, heat is the greatest thing for him, although he's, you know, made great strides in his fitness recently. So, so things are looking pretty good for him. And, you know, plus the, the next best guy, you know, Andy Murray, who's been to two finals in a row, you know, is, you know, is, has had a lot of trouble with Djokovic. So, you know, uh, things are looking pretty good for, for Djokovic, I think.
0: So you put Mr. Murray ahead of Federer and Dawes is, is you,
1: you know, said. right now I do because essentially I look at the start to his year as a continuation of the end of last year for him. I think you add the Lendl factor. He's hired Yvonne Lendl as his coach. I think it was big that he won that first event. He played with Lendl in Brisbane. Uh, as Steve said the other day in our podcast, you know, I think to look up and see Yvonne Lendl sitting in your box – you're going to feel like you, you need to perform. You're going to, you're going to want to be extra good because of who's watching. And I think that was a very valid point. I think that really works for Murray. I think it's going to kick in and really help Murray. Uh, the trouble is if Djokovic plays the way, if he finds the kind of form he had for well over half the year last year, he's just going to be hard to beat, you know, and it's not going to be Murray's fault.
0: Yeah. Another thing we talked about on the last podcast is some of the best men who have not won a slam and um, it type, high- it tied very well into the players who won titles last weekend, Sanga, Rayonich, um, Murray as well. And, uh, Pete threw his shot across the bow of, uh, of Burdich Soderling guys that, uh, you know, are, are obviously not out of contention for that, but they, they do seem sort of afterthoughts in a way. Um, Soderling is now, he's now down number 13 in the rankings. Um, and Burdich, is a guy who seems to have forever been knocking at the door uh, in, at slams, but really you know, he made the Women of Final a couple of years ago, but still has not um, been able to win that title. Uh, but you, you do seem to think it's, it's, it would be unwise to really discount these players, even with the dominance of the, the top, top tier of the men's tour.
1: Well, and let's not forget Juan Martin Del Potro. You know, uh, he's another guy who could really do a lot of damage down there. Would anybody be surprised if Del Po wins the uh, Australian Open? I'd, I'd say no. Uh, I think what you have, though, uh, you know, Burdick's an interesting case because, you know, he's almost become our favorite player to bash. He's become kind of the new Richard Gasquet about a guy who can't, you know who can't close a deal, who's got a lot of promise, but then is a head case and never, never can do it. But you know, the guy's really been pretty consistent lately and he's, you know, he, he played really well last fall. He won Beijing, um, he, you know, he, he lost to pretty good guys. He had, he had maybe one or two bad losses in the fall, but, he, you know, he's losing to the Nadals and the Sangas and the Federers, and there's nothing wrong with that. So, and this guy is very, very talented. This guy really can do it all, as can Tsonga. So, you know, uh, Burdick, I think, is the is the least on the radar among those guys who are legitimate contenders, big, strong, physical guys.
0: Let's close this, um, you know, before the draws come out. Um the U.S. players, I'm just kind of looking at the rankings end and a lot of them are kind of a bunched up up here. Fish, Isner, Roddick. Um, I think you can make cases for who might be the most promising of, of those for maybe not just this particular term, but this year coming up. Roddick, obviously, uh, Roddick and Fish going to be 30. Um, and we have Isner, queries making his way back in. Um they also had Donald Young, too, making huge strides last year. What, what about this year, maybe this this month, American men? Which, which of these guys do you maybe like more than the others?
1: Well, unfortunately, Isner Query and Donald Young are, have not done great down under so far and you know just there's, there's no there's not enough data to make a, a judgment about this but but we saw query lost in his last tournament pretty early when we have isner lost i think the other day in in uh in auckland, in auckland right yeah. um i i, st- I like i and, and again i'm I'm not reading too much into that because I, I happen to like isner among all these guys i think i really like i like isner's chances he's positioned himself to go to the next level i was talking to patrick McEnroe the other day and they've been in pretty close contact with John Isner and they've been, you know, they're, they're liking as, as USDA people looking after the Amer- prospects of American tennis, they're liking what Isner has been doing in terms of what he's been working on, how he's been trying to build up his game, how he's trying to become a better player in the rallies instead of just relying on that serve. So I'm, I'm looking for Isner to have a really good year. I'm hoping he certainly will uh, query. I don't know. I, I think he's at a real crossroads kind of position. I mean, he's, you know, he, he you know he came out pretty good. He was, you know, he he had, he had a good year, but then he got injured, and he's had trouble. You know, he
0: seemed to be on the verge traction. of being the guy actually for for you know not that long ago. He ended up uh, a couple years back beating Murray in a in a final. Um, he won four titles, I believe, three or four one year um, across all surfaces. So query was, I think, on the cusp of talking about I think one of maybe the next uh, highest ranked American, and then. Um, fish fish you know, came out with Two straight great years in a row, and Roddick still hasn't been knocked off the pedestal. I do agree with you about query there.
1: Yeah, so I mean, Donald Young went went back. He's being coached by his mother again. You know, I don't know. I, I just don't see that as a really particularly good move. I think that's. I think they're just sort of circling the wagons and saying, "Hey, you know, we just showed what we could do. We got up to number what thirty six in the world, whatever he it was it's in the thirties right now. Yeah, yeah. We We got up there, and so that shows how good I am. And, and now we can do it whatever way we want. We don't really have to, you know, listen to anybody or get involved with the USTA, etc. Now, granted, he does not have to get involved with the U.S.T. There's no law saying you've got to listen to what the U.S.T. wants you to do with your career. But the fact that you're being coached by your mom, your parents are still very involved, as they have been over over what is now a very long period as a prodigy. I don't see it as a good sign, uh, but we'll see. You know, hopefully, hopefully he'll hopefully learned a lot last year. And he'll, he'll be able to maintain it. Fish, uh, fish is an interesting spot. He's getting older. I, I don't physically. I think you know, although he's he's been better with this new regimen after he dropped all that weight and stuff. Somehow in Australia, I don't get a really good feeling about his chances here with with the heat and whatnot. I think, you know, unfortunately he got a little bit distracted there at the hopping Cup. Got into. Uh, a little bit of a confrontation with Grigor Dimitrov, so you know we'll see. Um,
0: and what the, about Roddick? Let's let's give him the last word, as you always are, tend to do.
1: You know, Roddick. You know, I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of afraid. I kind of I'm kind of afraid that Roddick is going to struggle because mm-hmm. he, you know he he has. You know, it's gotten to the point where these guys like the Julian Benitos of this world can 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 give Andy Roddick a hard time. Um, I I think you know. He, he was always very good throughout his career, generally, especially on faster surfaces, of beating the guys he needs to beat. And then he had trouble beating the guys who were ranked ahead of him. And now I think he's been more vulnerable than ever to to the upset on a given day.
0: Yeah, the, er- the earlier round four or five set tussle with... Right, an unseated player typically. Sometimes. Yeah, you look yeah. down at the
1: risk and you say, look, andy, you, Andy's andy got to beat the Marin Chiliches and the Julian Benitoes, and the Alexander Dolgolopovs uh, of this world, you know, or else he's not going to, you know, get back into that top 10. And I think it's, I think it's a pretty big challenge for him at this point. And he, and he hasn't played all that well in Australia. I think that, you know, I don't, I don't know that the height of bounce really helps him very much through the ball. You know, the ball bounces up pretty high there. That takes a little bit away from that slice that he likes. Now his backhand is essentially very defensive, but that little slice at least is a, is a good little shot for him to stay in rallies with and trying to make something happen. Um, so I, I, I'm not crazy about his chances down there, but you never know.
0: Yeah. We'll we'll look at the women later this week uh, on the site, of course. Like I said, draws come out tomorrow. Uh, Plenty of Australian Open preview coverage. Steve Tigner right now going through uh, security at the airport uh, on his way to Melbourne. He's probably in L.A. now. He's probably halfway
1: through the first book of the flight.
0: (laughs) On that odyssey that I have yet to experience, but uh, I know Pete can attest it's... uh, unlike anything else it is unlike anything else
1: Uh, sometimes it's nice not to have
0: to go yeah we'll leave it at that thanks for listening tennis.com podcast you've been enjoying tennis.com's weekly podcast thanks for listening for all the latest news and events head over to tennis.com